In this episode, we talk about some topics that might be triggering. So please do check the show notes for content warnings and feel free to skip this episode if it's not right for you. Hi, I'm Dr. Alex Fullard. I research childhood trauma and embrace at Telethon Kids Institute. You're listening to Embracing the Mind, where people who have experienced mental health challenges share their journey with me. I also talk to researchers about the latest treatments, data, and insights into mental health. Today's first guest is Joey Thompson, a 16-year-old living in Wimbledon Heights in Victoria. Joey is among a growing number of young people dealing with climate anxiety. He shares his story and tells us how he channels his concerns for the future of our planet into activism for change. My next guest is Associate Professor Fiona Charlson, a research fellow at the University of Queensland. Fiona is a leading expert in the mental health impacts of climate change. She joins us to discuss the increasing trend of climate anxiety among young people. So today we're joined by Joey Thompson. Joey, would you like to introduce yourself? Yeah, hi. Um, my name's Joey. I'm 16 years old and I live on Bunurong land in southern Victoria. Um, I'm an organiser with School Start for Climate nationally, and I'm also a local leader for the Youth Climate Action Group. Um, and we work on a few campaigns with School Start for Climate and Move Young Coal. But basically, I'm just crazy passionate about, you know, our environment and social and climate justice. It's amazing. I've, I've seen some of the, the work that you're involved in, and I'm so impressed. Now, did you say you're 16? Did I miss that? Or am I just putting that in? You're 16. That's... Oh. Gosh, it's so impressive. So, Joey, I just want to start with kind of, you know, talking about how now is very different to, you know, even when I was growing up. So I'm a bit older than you. I'm not going to tell you how old I am. But growing up now is 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 very different and we now have a lot more knowledge about climate change. I want to delve into kind of how this has impacted your well-being and your mental health. I think the climate crisis is one of the biggest things emotionally and for mental health wise for young people. Like I was reading about this and like this, the stats are just crazy. Like three out of four people are worried about their future. Three or four mm. young people are worried about their future because of the climate crisis. And it's just such a massive issue faced by young people today. Yeah. And how, well, how does that make you feel? How do you feel about it? Personally, it's just, it's incredibly overwhelming. It like, and confusing like how can some of the people and corporations that are making contributing to the climate crisis how can they just do this like how can you like contribute to the industries that are physically and emotionally harming young people and damaging and threatening our future like it's just isn't okay I don't know how that works and it just it, it messes with my head sometimes like it just I don't understand it I guess I can feel sometimes like it just feels like so overwhelming the climate crisis so but yeah i could i can imagine i mean no i can't imagine i'm actually with you um so i'm i'm very much you know feeling the same i feel scared for the future yeah. i feel overwhelmed i i think if you if you do enough digging into what is happening to our climate it's really frightening and mm. I cannot imagine growing up with all of that around you. Do you do you remember, Joey, kind of when this started for you? Do you remember how old you were? Yeah. And one of the one of the biggest things for me that got me, I guess, involved with the climate fight is 
like I've always loved nature and just mm. like seeing the absolute destruction that happens to like, especially like Australian animals and flora and fauna, like just terrible. And like that really weighs on you, like mm. just hearing about that and just knowing. And then sometimes like feeling like you're a part of that and like contributing to it when I feel like mm. as an individual, like I'm doing, I think I need to realize that I'm doing all I can, but like sometimes this that feeling of weighing on you being like, the climate crisis is happening and like you're contributing to it. It just feels like so bad. Like it just in your head, it just goes around and around. And sometimes it's hard to get out of that, I guess, thought pattern. Yeah. It's a, it sounds like you kind of spiral and it, it sounds to me like this weighs very heavily on your shoulders, such young shoulders. You know, when I was your age, I, I, I wasn't thinking about this, you know, I was out, you know, hanging out with friends and you know, going to the shops or whatever, you know, I can't imagine having such a heavy burden on my shoulders at that age. I mean, how long has this been how long have you been thinking about climate change? Is this is this a recent thing or have you kind of grown up always like this? I think I've always grown up with like a passion for the climate crisis and mm. not always thinking about how we can change and how we can make a positive impact. Yeah. Now, I think I know the answer to this already. But <laughs> Do you think that we are doing enough? Yeah, um, like you're probably thinking in my head, I think absolutely not. Um, mm. Internationally and nationally in Australia, we are not doing enough to combat the climate crisis. Like in the past month, like I know recently, the Labor government approved a new coal mine. This can't happen. Like we can't have any new fossil fuels. We cannot continue to like log native forests. We cannot continue with any of this. And just some of these things, nothing's being happened to stop. And like mm. people say they are and the government says they are, but it's they're not doing it and it needs to be up leveled we need to lift our game yeah we're not doing enough and joey correct me if i'm wrong but i can hear a lot of anger and frustration coming from you is that how you feel yeah just really really frustrated and about like how the lack of action and why it's not happening just really really frustrated yeah mm. is it something that you talk about at school with your mates yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think I might, I built myself a bit of a reputation at school being the resident, you know, what's the word, greenie. And I think <laughs> it's something really important to to chat about. Like yeah. these issues, they don't get talked about enough. And talking about them, it, A, like with emotional, like the climate crisis weighing on you mentally, I think talking about it is such a great way to, you know, feel better about things and be able to like understand the issue and then help each other out. And also when you're talking to people, like, I think it's just so important because we can talk about solutions and talk about why this is so important and just kind of feel safer on each other in that. Yeah. I love that. And actually you've, you've kind of foreshadowed what I want to talk about next, which is, you know, I really want to, I want to talk about the experience of climate anxiety and, you know, we know that climate change is real, but climate anxiety is this kind of new thing that we're thinking about. Like, how the the changing climate is impacting on the way that we feel and our well-being and we have increasing rates of anxiety and i think it's probably linked do you find that you know a lot of your friends have this this same kind of experience as you as, as feeling frustration and feeling worried and feeling scared about the future do you think that you know it's a common experience yeah absolutely i think there's heaps of people that you can talk to and everyone shares the same view that like 
I'm scared. Like what is yeah. going to happen? Why is the government not doing more to yeah. stop this? And I'm genuinely scared about how how my future is going to be. Like, will I be able to do, will I be able to have the same opportunities that, yeah. you know, people before me had? Yeah. Yeah, 100%. And, you know, what is the world going to look like? It's not going to look the same. So you mentioned that you, you talk to your mates and it's a good source of support for you. And I totally agree. And actually the research fully backs you up in that. Having great social support is no, one of the number one things you can do to support your well-being. Is there anything else that you do? Yeah, I think one thing that we say in Extinction Rebellion that gets talked about a lot in lots of movements is that the remedy for despair is action. And so mm. taking direct action, I think, is probably the best way to, I guess, avert that climate anxiety. And it's definitely what helps me out a lot, I think. Yeah. Taking action, I think that's why I feel like I, I feel pretty good about where I am with this, but... And that's because I take direct action. You know, I feel like I'm yep. contributing, and I am I am making the change, and I'm being part of that. Yep, I love that, Joey. So tell me, what are you what are you doing right now to make a change? So, like I said before, I'm a national organizer with School Strike for Climate. Can you explain to anyone who hasn't heard of this group before? I have, but what yeah. what do you guys do? Yeah, so School Strike for Climate is a network of students um, mm. all over the country, and it's got global um, global reach. Obviously, you know, it was started off, you know, when Greta Thunberg, like, started off with the School Strike for Climate, and it's just, like, grown around the whole world. But in Australia, School Strike for Climate, I think, has mobilized more people. I think it's got the record for most people mobilized with, like, hundreds of thousands, which was in 2019, which is incredible. And I guess the goal is that, like, School Strike, with School Strike, is school students, like, it's going to affect us the most. and. Mm -hmm. We need to do something about it, and we're really passionate about it. And I guess school is our biggest window to do something. Like it's our, yep. it's the kind of the only thing we have because our concerns can really be downplayed because we're young people and we don't know what we're talking about. Mm. And so, using school as I guess to our advantage and getting the attention by, I guess, striking from school, yep. is how we can get attention. But it also works as a platform just to inspire young people to take action, however that may be, whether it's striking from school, whether that means, you know, just holding a stand at your, like your local market and telling people about your passion. Um, we're just there to support people doing that. And we love everyone can get involved with that. And we love having people on board. That's fantastic. So anyone can kind of anyone who's a, of a school age can join. Yeah, absolutely. If you're in school and you want to, you know, join up and you're passionate about the climate crisis. That can be however you want. And there's heaps of people in the national movement that are there to support you and help you and uplift your passion so that you can have a voice about that. Yeah, amazing. So it sounds like, you know, you make change in that group, but also you're there for each other. Absolutely. Yeah. Strike is like the most safe, welcoming place that I've ever been involved with. It is full of like such nice people, incredible people. Um, yeah. Amazing. That's awesome. And Joey, I know that's not it. I know you do other stuff. So do you want to quickly plug other things that you're involved in? Well, yeah. One thing that we've really been involved with locally is the move, National Move Beyond Coal campaign, mm -hmm. which is targeting Whitehaven Coal, which is Australia's largest colony corporation. And they plan to double their coal production by 2030, which is terrible. We can't have that happen. And that's been amazing. We've gotten you know, national media coverage with that one. And Local actions have been amazing. 
I guess that's kind of the two main places I'm involved with. Yeah, amazing. So do you have kind of like a sense of optimism for the future and and, and how younger generations like yourself, amazing young kids are coming together to try and combat climate change? Yeah, I think I think there's a shift happening in yeah. the attitude. I think we are getting there and we can do this, but it's going to be hard. Like it's not just going to be a walk in the park. It's going to take, you know, disruption and it's going to take a lot of work by a lot of people and it's going to be hard. And you know what? We're not going to like it's not looking like we're going to stick below 1.5 degrees of global heating, which which is bad. And that's because previously we haven't acted enough and we're still not acting ambitiously enough. But I think if we get our game together and we, you know, start, we stop approving these coal mines, we stop logging native forests and we like, we cut down on, you know, meat production and all of that stuff. We can make this happen. Mm. And like the IPCC report that was released earlier this year said, like, there is still hope. Like we can do this. We just need to make drastic changes. Yeah. Yeah. So Joey, do you have any pieces of advice for anyone listening who might be struggling with anxiety about climate change? I think the best way to combat that is to get involved with a group. Mm. Um, Like it could be a big national group like Move Beyond Coal or School Strike for Climate or Extinction Rebellion, or it could just be a local like conservation or climate action group. But I think when you're with those like-minded people and you're talking about this, everyone helps each other out. Everyone's always so supportive. And then you also can take direct action against what is causing, I guess, the anxiety. Mm. Um, and that's, I think that's the best way to go is just getting yeah. involved with someone. Yep. So having supportive people around you kind of with the same values, but also feeling like you're making a change. Yeah, absolutely. And Joey, finally, you know, I think you're just an incredible young man. I think you, you know, you just, I, I cannot believe how eloquent you are about these issues and how well-read you are. You know, you're across, you know, all of the, the current literature and all of that. What do you want to do when you get older? Are you going into politics? What are you doing? <laughs> well, that is a fantastic question, Alex. <laughs> There's so many different ways. And I don't know, like, I think the future, I guess, is open. It depends on how things play out. But I know I want to continue to be a part of the change and get it staying involved with activism and being involved and making a positive difference in the community. And I can see you doing that. I can't wait to see what it looks like. Yeah, me too. (laughs) Well, thank you, Joey. It's been a pleasure. Thanks so much, Alex. So today we're joined by Associate Professor Fiona Charlson. Fiona, would you like to introduce yourself? Thanks, Alex. Um, yeah, as you said, my name's Fiona Charlson. I'm from the Queensland Centre for Mental Health Research here in Brisbane, Australia, uh, and I'm also um, affiliated with the School of Public Health at the University of Queensland, where I lead a research network looking at uh, the mental health impacts of climate change. So this is really interesting, this uh, kind of idea about the, the mental health impact of climate change. And I'm really interested in the idea of climate anxiety. And this is actually something that I've only heard about kind of this year and, and last year. It seems to be kind of a new term that people are using. So, Fiona, what is climate anxiety and, and how does it impact 
certain individuals, I'm thinking more, you know, like young kids and teenagers more so than others? Yeah, so that there's a lot in that that um, question, Alex, and it's a really good question um, because you're right, it is fairly new. Uh, look, climate anxiety is was really a term that sort of evolved from um, some other sort of terms that have been around for a while, um, and it's obviously, as the name suggests, to describe reaction uh, or a psychological state that people are experiencing as the impacts of climate change or our, our change in climate is becoming uh, more obvious and, and clearer. And it's really sort of describing um, some normal emotions such as, you know, sadness or people being angry. But it's also um, in some cases a bit more extreme where people are really sort of experiencing these almost clinical anxiety symptoms. Mm. Um, So it is in direct response to uh, our changing climate. And, yeah, it's fairly new. In terms of who we're seeing it in most, um, there's not a lot of research yet, but it's a very rapidly growing field. Um, but the obvious group that has been studied and that we, I think a lot of us associate with when we talk climate anxiety are our young people, mm. um, particularly in those times where the climate marches, the student climate marches were rip marches pre-COVID when, mm. when they could still do them um, regularly, uh, were on the media quite a lot. That sort of was... Uh, a, a very outward expression, externalisation of, of what they were feeling. Mm. Um, there has been some research. There was quite a lovely sort of robust study done a few years ago now, um, but it was done across several countries. I think there was over, t- yeah, over 10,000 young people in this study. That's huge. <laughs> it was a huge study. They were aged 16 to 25, 10 countries, including Australia. Yeah. And they were really asking youth around um, climate change. What were they, were they worried? What were they feeling? A whole range of things with it. What was it? Um, what aspects of it were bothering them the most? Was it impacting their daily life? And over um, uh, half of them reported experiencing negative emotions and we mm. can talk about the difference between emotions and anxiety. When it came to worry as an emotion, 60% were very or extremely worried about climate change mm. and 84% of those 10,000 youth were at least moderately worried. Uh, so really, really high um percentages here but what worries me out of personally um, out of all of this is that more than 45% of them said that their um, feelings about climate change negatively affected their daily life and functioning. Wow. So yeah so it's not just um, you know worry and stress it's actually impacting how these kids are or youth are living from day to day. So I want to pick up on that because I think that's a really important point in that, you know, when when we diagnose people with a, a mental health condition, it's because it impacts their functioning. How does climate anxiety impact a young person's functioning? Yeah, it's a good question, Alex. You know, what we're talking about here is uh, 
on a scale as all um, sort of mental health issues are. Mm. There's um, at one end there are, are um, people who um, have these concerns or experiencing climate anxiety but they're able to get on with their daily life mm. fairly unaffected. But then, and there's that whole spectrum right up to people who, um, you know, if we think what we know about clinical anxiety, generalised anxiety, in the more severe cases, people really are, you know, they're not able to work sometimes, they might not be able to care for um, or act in their caring role um, to their full ability, um, they may not be able to conduct social relationships, uh, you know, there's, you know, these sort of really important functioning roles are really quite impacted. Mm. Um, and the jury's out as to, I mean, we don't know. Like I was saying before, there's still a lot of research to be done in this space, but there is some really fabulous work being done in this space. Mm. Um, so we, we, climate anxiety, we, we're not sure how severe that is yet, um, but it has the potential to be, you know, um, significantly impacting people's functioning and we think about when we think about someone and how this is sort of coming about and what other factors aside from this imminent threat of um, climate change there's a lot of other factors that surround an individual that influence an individual and uh, sort of all come together to sort of predict or determine how someone will respond. Um, there's been some lovely work done by um, Tara Crandon, who I want to credit with um, a lot of what I'm going to say today, where she's really cleverly explored that it's not just about an individual and uh, it's not just about an individual and whether they've been exposed to a bushfire or some kind of climate-driven event. It also, um, you know, comes from those factors around them in their um, sort of more distal environment. So there could be things happening at school. How is climate change being framed at school? Right. Um, what are their school's attitudes? Has there been disruption at school? You know, I'm in Brisbane. I'm thinking of the floods. My kids were out of school for several weeks due mm. to the floods. Yep. Yeah. And yeah. I, I could imagine, Fiona, as well, if you've got kind of like a, you know, a predisposition for anxiety, um, you know, because we know that there are certain, um, you know, parts of our DNA that make us more susceptible to anxiety, you know, parts of our brain, um, our neurochemistry, our makeup that make us more um, kind of, yeah, at risk, I would say, for anxiety. Do you think those sorts of things come into play as well when it comes to climate yeah. anxiety? Absolutely, absolutely, yeah. So so what you're touching on there is something that's really important um, that we are still exploring. So what we know about clinical or sort of generalised anxiety or perhaps other anxiety disorders um, is that it is sort of driven by a certain part of the brain often the amygdala, which is that sort of primal threat centre mm. of, of the brain, which can respond and sort of shut down the, you know, the, the other important parts of the brain that tell us that, you know, or help us problem solve, for yes. example. Yes, exactly right. Yeah. yeah. Often the, the anxiety disorders that we have um, identified and that we work with are typically at 
perceived threat, but not a real threat. Mm, That's exactly what I wanted to touch on next, actually, Fiona, because there's that main difference, right? So you've got generalized anxiety where you, you kind of help people see their thoughts as kind of not valid or, you know, maybe not valid, but the the threat that they perceive is not actually real. So this worry that they have is, um, you know, somewhat we, we, we don't trust it. Like we need to learn to trust ourselves more and, and, you know, try and change our way of thinking. But when we think about climate anxiety, well, this is actually a very real threat and mm. science is backing it up. Like the thing that we're afraid of is actually coming true. So, Climate anxiety, do you think that it is kind of its own mental health condition or should it even be a mental health condition? Yeah, it's a really good question and I guess the jury's out. Mm. Um, We don't know, but um, it it could very well be um, that it becomes so well defined and uh, so clinically significant that it does become its own disorder Mm. in its own right. Um, we don't know that, and that there's you know sort of different um, theories, and um, people like Tara that I mentioned before are exploring this from a psychological theory framework, um, and drawing similarities and differences between uh, other anxiety conditions. While we're talking about this, it is important to make a, a distinction between those clinically significant sort of anxiety symptoms that we've been talking about, and what I've already mentioned, which are around. Um, uh, emotions, which are very normal. Um, they're driven from a completely separate part of the brain to what we were talking about, that primal threat system. Uh, you know, this is very normal. So it is important that we don't sort of put this blanket um, lens, you know, one lens over this and, and acknowledge that it is very normal to have um, emotional responses to climate change and climate-driven events. Um, that is not pathologizing those people and, uh, mm. you know, that, that's not a medical condition. It's mm. very normal. Yeah, I think, I, I think that's so spot on. And actually, you know, thinking about my own life, I, I have to say it has been in the last, say, probably three or so years, two or three years, uh, that my friends and I are really talking about this more. I'm kind of at that age now where... I'm thinking about having kids myself. My my friends are having kids or they're thinking about having kids. And this has actually been a really big discussion for us about, you know, do we want to have kids because of all of the, the, the stuff with climate change that's going on? That's a huge question. And I was thinking the other day, you're kind of in prep for this, this interview actually, when did this start happening? Like when did we start thinking about climate anxiety. Do you have an answer for that, Fiona? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Well, do you know what? It's funny because I I had the same journey. Yes, right. (laughs) Yes, so you're not not the only one because it's not, um, you know, it is new. And it's. I really um, like this question because it kind of, um, you know, it's how language develops, which Mm. I'm so interested in, completely different field, but... It's just how language develops as as we evolve as as humans and our human experience changes. So climate anxiety itself is very new. So I I am very happy to be corrected on this, but I think it started probably 2018, 20, 2019. Yeah. Um, yeah. 
but before that, the sort of related terms which are around, you know, that's obviously very climate change specific. But before that, we've had terms, um, equivalent terms for such as eco-anxiety. Right. Um, which are related to anxiety related to environmental degradation, whether that's loss of biodiversity mm. or, you know, a, a particular nature area or of significance. The term eco-anxiety and others, there's sort of another few sort of around, tied into that, has actually, it's actually really been around for a while, probably the 1970s. Wow, and, okay. And the, yeah, and the concept of it, you know, this acknowledgement of the intricate, intimate relationship between the environment, nature, and human experience and human emotions and human psychology um, has actually been around for over a century so documented so wow that's um, that's so shocking to me <laughs> yeah, I, I know I it, oh, look, there's so much in there I could talk about but I just it is fascinating um, and it has come from you know climate anxiety has evolved because we are now in a, a place where climate change, even though we've been told about it for decades, is now well and truly here and we can see it and yep. we're anxious about it. So what do we, how do we describe that? We're going to call it climate anxiety. Yes, yeah. So that's kind of how it, come, it has come about. And it's, yeah. it's funny you mention that because I think even, oh gosh, I want to say maybe 10 years ago, right? So we knew about this. We've known about it for a while, but- People denied it for so long, didn't they? And so I guess it wasn't. I don't, I don't know. Now it's this. It's this fact, right? It's definitely happening. But I think there was probably even a little bit of stigma around being worried about the the climate climate change back then. Global warming, I remember, was a big a big term. And I guess that's changed now. We're we're more open because it's this thing that is definitely happening. That's so fascinating. It is fascinating. Now, have we seen any? benefits from climate anxiety. Now, I'm going to explain what I mean. So I'm thinking, you know, we have these amazing young people who are, and and we've actually um, interviewed someone earlier on the show, you know, who, who do these protests and they are so eloquent and they have this, this, you know, real knack for arguing their their position which is about climate anxiety um climate change and that we need to put a you know take a stance against this do you think that you know there are benefits to being more i guess aware now of of climate anxiety yes i do i think there are um there are benefits uh for example there has been some research um, from a number of countries and also some Australian data from another study that's shown that the way people can channel their climate anxiety and be actually really beneficial, not just to them mm. um, because it gives them a sense of empowerment, uh, but it can also help the environment. So um, we might see pro-environmental behaviours at home, Activism that you were just talking about, um, climate protests, um, and it 
can also lead to better, better health outcomes and it's a bit of a like an adaptive emotional driver mm. for people. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. But there is the flip side of that as well. Yeah. So I think um, that that kind of relates to other research that, you know, I do and that I'm aware of in the mental health space where we see, um, so for, for instance, in trauma research, uh, we have this thing called post-traumatic growth where, you know, you have this this awful trauma happen and nobody is arguing that the, the trauma is good, but the person who's experienced it has has taken something out of it. So whether it be, you know, helping others. So in this case, literally helping others or helping the environment and kind of, you know, growing your your social support network and really becoming closer to others. So that that kind of sounds very similar in that people are aware of it and now, you know, making change, which is awesome to see. Yeah, it's great. And it's also making meaning mm. of the situation. Yeah, yeah exactly and right. like I said, creating social connection is actually another important, seems to be another um, good adaptive response. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's really wonderful to see. So, Fiona, I guess my, my last question for you is what can we do if we or for any parents that are listening to the podcast, if they notice their children are experiencing climate anxiety, what can we do? Yeah, it's a good question. Um, I mean, it's at the end of the day, it's the only question really. Yeah, so um, I guess it depends on who, you know, if you're a parent, there's certain things that, I guess you can do to support your your kids. Um, I know that I've had to do this from time to time. Whenever it comes up on the on the news, there's been a bit recently. Mm. Um, I know that my son says to me, "Mum, I'm really worried about climate change," and I know this is maybe a bit. I don't want to trivialise it for him, but I feel like he's well aware of what's going on. So I'm not sort of playing it down, but I try and instil some hope in him, mm. and I'll say. You know, the one thing I know about humans is that we're we're pretty dedicated to continuing to exist. Yeah. So I feel like we're going yep. to find a, find our way out of this. Um, even though you know, also another another human thing I know about humans is that we tend not to perceive risk, but we'll perceive danger, and we're out of the you know area of people telling us that this is a risk to now we're being in a position of danger so we're starting starting to act um so i guess fostering hope is lots of ways to do that um and it, it probably depends on your child but even just having some nice optimistic positive conversations um you know taking them to do some nice um actions whether that's putting a worm farm in your backyard or whatever it is that mm. you feel like they're up to um a bit of education uh, and support, again, developmentally appropriate sort of sort of stuff. Um, you know, what I was talking about before, that it's not just about one thing. It's also about building connections. So you were saying earlier that you've got a group of friends that you talk to this um, topic about and, you know, how does it impact you and that social connection, having people to talk to about it is really important. Um, yeah, connection between peers for kids would be the the obvious equivalent of that. Um, for for adults, it's you know the research tells us that pro environmental behaviours. You don't have to be a big activist, but I was never an activist before climate change. It would have, I don't know. It just seemed like such a far fetched idea for me. But mm. 
um, that was the thing that got me to marches and I'm not the most dedicated marcher and I'm not the most um, hardcore activist, but I can definitely see the mental health benefits in that. Um, so I think there's, you know, a number of, of different ways. Taking breaks, if you're embedded in the topic or if you're surrounded by the topic, take some breaks to keep yourself um, from burning out, mm. some self-care, um, spending time in nature. It sounds like a bit of a throwaway or a bit of a cliche. It has got solid, solid evidence um, in terms of supporting our mental health and it almost seems a little bit counterintuitive. Why would you want to go and spend time in a forest when you're worried about it burning down in the next <laughs> summer? Yeah. Um, but honestly, it, it is a really, really good good therapy. Yeah, yeah. That's great advice, Fiona. Thank you. All right. Thanks, Alex. Thanks for joining us, Fiona. Bye-bye.